Good morning. You're listening to Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM. My name is Christina. I use pronouns she, her. And my name is Karan, and my pronouns are he, him. And we want to start this episode by taking a moment to talk about uh, the recent passing of uh, the Inuk uh, music artist Kelly Fraser. Uh, as many of our listeners will know, we were a huge fan of her, and we were following uh, her path to to musical fame. Um, However, on Christmas Eve of this year, uh, she lost her long battle against her PTSD, and we just kind of want to take a moment of silence uh, to honor to honor Kelly Fraser. Thank you for that, Christina. The UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba campuses that are located on the original, stolen, ancestral, and occupied lands of Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. In doing this acknowledgement, I would like to remind all settlers, such as myself, that if your activism is not actively making room for Indigenous people to lead their own struggle, and is not effective in allyship in bringing land back to the governance of indigenous people, then you need to reflect on your activism and improve on it. Um, There's a lot of reasons why our presence on this land disrupts the way indigenous people really live their lives. For example, I use stolen water from Shoal Lake, so what am I doing to repay um, the the ways in which my presence affects Indigenous people, oftentimes negatively. So just a little reminder for everyone to think about that. Um, And yeah. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Uh, So before we kind of move back into our episode, uh, you know, we've taken a bit of a break here for the holidays and we just kind of wanted to give a bit of a a shout out for mental health, proper um, self-care. Upcoming this Monday actually is something called Blue Monday. And... um, Apparently, it's supposed to it's it's supposed to be the most depressing day of the year. Um, it was some traveling <coughs> traveling agency yeah. that that claimed to have calculated using an equation that this was supposed <laughs> to be the most like depressing day in terms of the temperature and the amount of sunlight that you receive or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, it's totally a marketing thing. But I yeah. think it holds some salt. I think this is a difficult time of year for a lot of people and it kind of makes sense that it is, you know, we're just kind of still just kind of coming back from the holidays. The holidays can be a really great time for a lot of people, but it also holds a lot of stresses. If you have any kinds of family stressors, it tends to be a time of year that that can kind of come out. Um, This can be a time of year that people are kind of maybe working through whether or not some New Year's resolutions will be working out for themselves Mm -hmm. we're getting back into the swing of things with work and with school and we're dealing with some very unpleasant weather Mm -hmm. so we're uh we're all working through this together um one thing that i have actually found uh 
kind of reassuring is that it's not crazy to kind of have less energy in the winter time. You know, it's actually kind of a colonial idea, the fact that we're supposed to, like a colonialist and capitalist idea that we're supposed to still exist the same way regardless of mm. the time of year. Like the oh, idea, yeah. like it's, it's, we at do, the end of the day, you're just labor, right? Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's actually not that crazy that we have less energy in the winter. Like there's some natural like hyper hibernating instincts that we have to like be more sedentary in the winter like that's not a crazy idea but because of like the capitalist machine you know <laughs> god forbid that we have less energy in the winter time yeah yeah <laughs> so definite shout out for mental health um if you're feeling a little a little blue in uh in the current season um be kind to yourself be generous with yourself draw mm-hmm. clear boundaries with people who are taking from your energies in a way that's not welcomed and um and yeah and uh, we kind of want to take a moment to to mention um to talk a little bit about uh political apathy yeah yeah i and i think another thing that i wanted to add on before i move on to that is like i used to tell this to my students that i used to work with um on campus i i've left that job since December. Also, I don't know if I told you that or not. Oh, no. But I did. I have left my job because my workplace was um, getting absolutely horrible. So, hey, milestone for me. Quit a bad job celebrating that for myself. Yeah. Um, But anyway, yeah. So at my old workplace, I used to tell all my students who tend like who were all international students. I would always tell them that, hey, like, it's okay. This happens. Also, it's a legitimate thing called seasonal affective disorder. So if you need to seek help for it, if you need to go take medication, whatever it is, do it. So if you are still in the process of coming to terms with it or if you have already done something to address it and you don't want to feel like that, whatever it is, celebrate the small, you know, like milestones and accomplishments. And yeah, yeah, and try to cut yourself some slack because this is not easy at all at all and yes coming back to political apathy um i just i think we were christina and i were just talking about how there are so many things going on and this is something so i am a big fan of patriot act and uh the last one of the last episodes of 2019 hassan minaj talked about this that there's so much going on that you feel like, oh, well, the earth is dying. This is happening. People are dying, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's so much happening. Mm-hmm. And my intention here is not to reduce any of those things to blah, blah, blah. But um, I have just seen a lot of people kind of, like, share that and not really understand the meaning behind it. And I think that Hassan Minaj was talking to the people who do things um, to actively oppose all the bad things that are happening in the world. And I've seen a lot of, quote unquote, privileged people sharing things like that on their Instagram stories like, oh, it's OK if, you know, you are overwhelmed uh, and and this is affecting you. Like, it's OK to just take a step back and take a deep breath and ah, and that's it. And I just wanted to address that and kind mm-hmm. of debunk that because, no, it's not for the <laughs> privileged people who live in nice, big gated houses and are, you know, have all all the money and power in the world like yeah, it's not yeah. for you no it's those people for, need to be held more accountable yeah yeah need to do probably more work in realizing yeah their privilege like i mean if the forest fires in australia and brazil actually do bother you then maybe consider donating like 
if you have the capacity to do that exactly yeah. so like instead of sharing something on your story that hey like oh it's okay for me to take a step back uh you didn't really do anything in the first place to begin with yeah like there's a huge difference in stepping back if you're somebody who is of uh low income and you're yeah. working 60 hours a week versus somebody who is like middle class lives in a nice big comfy house yeah. and you know j- is tired of uh listening to the news like yeah there's 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 a difference there yeah so i don't know and as someone who you know comes from a somewhat middle class family like that's how i hold myself accountable is that well at some point i have to not like use my privilege in that aspect to 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 do things and you know not mm-hmm. just sit back and be like oh my my iphone screen is really terrible today because mm-hmm. of all this bad stuff that's happening and i need to not be sad so i'm gonna take a day off like no that's not how that works honey like (laughs) (laughs) you gotta put the work in and i mean yeah so i just wanted to clarify that like yeah people and especially like you know if we're talking in terms of local politics and stuff like you'll often find indigenous people and people of color and black people always more overworked than anyone else yeah like even talking about just the University of Manitoba, like it's always the the BIPOC academic student staff that are more overworked than anyone else. So I don't know. It's for it's for us. It's for those people who like it's for women. Like, you know, it's not for the privileged who, who, who are just a little too tired of hearing about all the bad. Yeah, news. because they just want all the bad stuff outside of their lives. Like they don't want it to not in my backyard, not in my backyard. Love nimbyism. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, shall we yeah. use the c word? Uh, which one? Colonialism. Colonialism. Um, are we going to talk about how colonialism affects how we think about art and history? Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I'm coming from a bit of a personal experience here. But I do want to hear your thoughts about it for sure. Oh, yeah. I definitely have some. uh, I've also had a recent brush with this. So basically, (laughs) I recently went on a trip with um, with a friend of mine. And I was just uh, we saw we saw lots of things we saw. Like it was just uh, to the States, um, just like a big city in the States. And I was kind of realizing that we had some differences in our preferences in terms of kind of what we wanted to learn about in terms of learning about the history of, uh, of the place. And, uh, my friend was very much attracted to learning about the white history of the place. And I think we're, we're all like everyone that was raised here. I know that in my high school, in my elementary school, in my middle school, everything, uh, that is the history that we learned. That is the history that, you know, we we all know those names, all those big names. We all know Columbus. We all know that. Um, She found it to be kind of an interesting subject matter to learn about the white history. But when we had the opportunity to learn about uh, the LGBTQ history, the Muslim history, and the public health, um, I think... she was kind of less engaged and I don't really know if she realizes um and she's just an example um I don't mean to be 
uh, criticizing her. I think this is something that we all experience. And I know that I used to have this tendency as well. And I think a lot of people do. And that's why I'm talking about it. Um, We just kind of have this unconscious tendency to prefer the white story because we're taught to believe that what is white is what is the the standard that's the status quo and that's the only real like that's how stories are made real and that's the thing right it's all like it all comes down to eurocentrism and how even in like previously colonized nations like there's so much work to do in learning our own history as opposed to what has been told to us and what has become the dominant narrative Mm -hmm. and and like that's the thing i read this thing once and it was like well if he's only read uh you know white authors he is not well read and (laughs) and i remember reading that and i was like yeah well like have you read any work by women of color and indigenous women and black women like you know have you read any of those perspectives that have all often been pushed to the margins Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like uh, yeah exactly what (laughs) <laughs> like you're not well read just because you've read white authors and no. that's that's a fact and because mm-hmm. you can't just keep producing this one type of narrative and that's how kind of like and I, <laughs> I don't mean to sound snobbish or like and like an academic by any means but like I took this research class last term in gender studies and one thing that I learned was like how power and knowledge and truth are all intertwined yeah and so if something has power and there's this one accepted truth that is being you know put into dominant discourse by a powerful entity usually white people mm-hmm. then that that is repeated again and again and again until it becomes the knowledge that everyone has and until it is accepted as the truth mm-hmm. and any other type of truth has no validity in the discourse and Mm -hmm. that's how that's exactly how erasure works right is Mm -hmm. that oh well like people in previously colonized nations were all savages that needed saving and this and that and this and that and to a certain extent like you know some people and i'm speaking from my own perspective as um as an indian is that we've accepted that to be the truth at some point and that then leads into the cycle of internalized racism misogyny Mm -hmm. yada yada yada, all of that stuff all that Mm. good good stuff yeah absolutely it keeps getting produced right so at some point that dominant discourse needs to be interrupted and needs to be critically analyzed yes to see well is this the only truth that we know yeah and that's exactly the case with art too, right? Is yeah, that I was, yeah. Like <laughs> it art all can ties be, back. It can be like art can be such an incredible tool for telling your story in a way that is not the colonial storytelling that we all know. What is colonial storytelling? Well, it's um, writing things with big words in nice <laughs> leather-bound books and big libraries. And uh, the art. What is colonial art? Um, it's art of uh, big white political figureheads, yeah. uh, usually very um, uh, like like art that is supposed to look like photographs. Or it's like very even, much about the white aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Or even like you know war, like yeah. like d- like depicting white people winning in wars. Yes. Like there's so much, and like I ca- yeah, I, I yeah, can't even exactly. get into it because I'm not an art person. Like I don't yeah. know much about um, art, but like. But it, yeah, it, it becomes apparent when you step into an art gallery and that's kind of what you see. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. this is 
horrible <laughs> in many ways than one. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's but not to take away from you know the incredible works of art that can be that can come out uh, to to sort of defy that norm. So if you talk like the Kent Monkman uh, exhibit oh, yeah. that's currently going on at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, all of his art is actually interesting. It's like a, this very um, like uh, realist like yeah. depictions yeah. of of like yeah, yeah. colonial scenes of basically indigenous people being colonized it's yeah. very like raw and uh like evoking imagery and uh and there's like a day of the month that's free at the winnipeg art gallery so i would definitely recommend that exhibit i haven't gone to it personally yet but um i've i've kind of seen some images of it um really really good imagery there and um it's really cool too when uh when art can be used um it's a very all the different mediums that can be used like the way that art can come out in a room like in terms of interactive pieces of art using mm. different materials in art like it's just such a ready and quick way to show the different ways in which we can tell stories rather than the prescribed white storytelling way yeah and i think that there's something to be said about like how we perceive it right because yeah. and that's the thing and like and that's how discourse is produced is that when you mm -hmm. step into an art gallery and, um, you know, I've had friends who have done the same thing and you just go in and you're like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. this is great. Um, as opposed to yeah. critically questioning things and th thinking through things. Well, like, why is this here? What purpose does this serve? Yeah. And then people will get bored because they're just looking for the aesthetic. And that yeah. is absolutely <laughs> the internalized like colonialism. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And then. Yeah. And. <laughs> This kind of takes me back to also, and I guess what I'm trying to say here is that, like, even if there is colonial art, I think that the discourse around it should be critical, right? Like, I remember taking this French class last term that was, um, in English, it's like the literature of New France, <laughs> and yeah. it was like colonial literature about how, like, like Quebec was formed and all this stuff yeah, yeah. i don't know i didn't pay attention much to the literature because i spent time <laughs> criticizing it because it was extremely racist um mm -hmm. and that's that's the thing right how do you go about analyzing it do you just accept it or do you criticize it because at some point i do think that such things are important to be shown to the public like i do think that these things belong in art galleries and museums for a reason because they remind us of a time that is well still present but <laughs> it was overtly yeah. insensitive to many people yeah. and we can't forget that right exactly we and can't pretend that never happened because then we can pretend we that can <laughs> that contributes the cycle exactly perpetuating the cycle and then people pretend oh well we don't have racism today but it's like no actually if you look at the history <laughs> you really think that that all disappeared in just one or several generations like no like look no, at all of this yeah. history that happened and is continuing yeah, yeah continuing. exactly and and that's the thing is that like it exists for a reason and I think that people should go and like be critical of it and mm -hmm. there can be many outcomes to being critical of something mm -hmm. but if you're just gonna accept it to be the dominant truth then that's gonna remain the dominant truth and then mm -hmm. that's that's the problem and I remember like we I had a, a committee meeting once and it was like an equity diversity committee once and I'm just rolling my eyes whatever yeah um, anyway I'm just kidding if anyone from that committee is listening, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we were talking about like space revitalization and things like that. And we were like, yeah, well, you know, like 
it's kind of unwelcoming for many staff, faculty, and students of color, and even like like non-binary people and women that when you enter a space and when you enter a hallway, all you see is white men portrayed and being celebrated all down the hall. Oh. And someone said to me, someone Elizabeth said... Elizabeth Defoe Library. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I can't wait for those paintings to get gone one day. I but would love for those to go. Anyway, like I'm sure they were great people. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. Mm-mm. But someone said in retaliation, not retaliation, I think they were trying to offer the other side of the story. Oh, they we said, have a devil's advocate. Okay. <laughs> All right. And go they on. said, oh, yeah, surprisingly, it was a man. Um, but that is so he said, He said, well, like, you can't really change the history, can you? Like, if those are the people that are being celebrated, then, like, that's, that. yeah, that speaks to the problem of history. But, like, you can't really change it. And the response to that, given by a wonderful academic, and I don't really know if they'd be comfortable talking about it so mm-hmm. i'm gonna rem- like na- Keep it on. yeah yep. um and they said to them they were like well we can change the things we celebrate can't we yes thank you and that's it right like that's it <sighs> what are you yeah. giving space to what are you giving platform to yeah and this is where this whole thing becomes so messy and convoluted and i don't know like it becomes really upsetting for some people because giving other people platform is viewed as deplatforming some right like when you look at right wingers they will say well freedom of speech like uh, social justice warriors have infiltrated arts and media well like <laughs> now women are doing all of this art that is uh, unbelievable for a woman to do and the, like what whatever you know that you know I, the narrative I right know. and that's the thing is that no that's not how it works we are just trying to take as much as of, of a platform to celebrate the things that have not been celebrated mm-hmm. just as much as your stuff has been and has occupied space and time this entire time. The entire time. And, and in media, too. How many times have we heard the story of the white male hero? How many times? Think of, like, uh, like anyone who's listening, just think of, like, your top five favorite movies. Who was the protagonist? What gender were they? What color was their skin? Yeah, and like, uh, and obviously there's so many more like things that are, you know. It comes out in so many ways. <laughs> it comes yeah. out in the the literal global beauty standard. Yeah. Like if you look at how popular and like you know I, I speak of this subject very carefully because you know everyone has uh, freedom to use whatever products they are that they want mm-hmm. but like skin bleaching products mm-hmm. yeah 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 like that's such a the the global market for that is absolutely massive yeah and um and again I don't mean to shame anyone for the decisions that they make but like of course there is a huge like global tendency like whiteness is success superior yeah it's superior like it's you know all these messages that are yeah being spread everywhere that capitalism is. yeah where have i have i ever told you about this like beauty cream back in india it's called fair and lovely oh is this uh, like one of these bleaching yep. creams okay yeah it's like yeah i feel like i've talked about it on the show before so i won't go too much into it i, I don't okay but it's like, yeah, it's like a woman with like more weedish skin. She comes in and she goes to an interview with like all these like light skinned men. Right. And they look at her and they're like, ew. And then she walks out and then this is a commercial. Yeah. And then they and then she uses this bleaching cream in seven days. She's suddenly like 
10 shades lighter. Yeah. She comes back into the interview and suddenly, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she these messages. The job. Yeah. yeah. And it's People like, are well, bombarded with this worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 really horrible. And I and I also want to speak to like representation art and everything we're talking about. Recently, I read on someone's story about how they um, are more interested in fighting imperialism and things like that Mm -hmm. rather than POCs that want more representation on Netflix because to them, none of this was important. I just want to comment on on that. They were trying to separate imperialism (laughs) from issues affecting people of color yeah yeah but and this is a person of color too oh yeah yeah so it's a little yeah it's a little messy you but can't i just wanted to separate these things kate sorry, i know go on. i know i know i just wanted to comment on that is that like these are the things that when you look at them create cycles of violence for people when people don't see themselves represented in media that causes so many issues on an individual level let alone a societal level like there's so much violence being per- perpetuated because representation in media is not accurate because people think that women are whatever like you know like powerless and mm-hmm. people think that oh indigenous women are you know whatever they Basically are portrayed non-existent as non-existent in yeah, media yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and if they are there it's like very racist and sexist portrayal of them yep. but that's the thing is that you can't really separate these things because these issues do place an important role in society. And there's a reason why we're talking about this is because if we keep celebrating the things that don't really need all that much celebrating and that is subjective, of course, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. We're headed to a darker place than we know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We need to celebrate the history of way more people as many yeah. people as possible and talking about celebrating things mm-hmm. wanted to bring everyone's attention to something rather nauseating um and i'm gonna go into local politics for a second here mm-hmm. um there was talk on twitter i read um about some meeting i can't remember but people uh in winnipeg wanting to cut transit past 12 30 or like midnight yeah and um also stop or like cut off like every other street Street light light. or something of the sort um can't find too much on the news about this but people in winnipeg were enraged about this over twitter yeah i think it was like a city council meeting or something i'm i'm really not sure um but we're talking about celebrating things, and I just wanted to bring everyone's attention to the Manitoba Legislative Building. Yeah, has it, if, if you've driven by or gone by that recently, you may have noticed a dazzling light display. Which at first glance is, you know, beautiful. Yep. It, it goes all around the building, uh, yep. even the even the part that faces the, the river. Yard. That, you know, where people usually don't really walk yeah but still it's lit there's yep. orbs there's e- like everything that you can there's imagine animals it's like it's too pretty for winnipeg i find like it's like it, this would have never really happened in winnipeg right yeah but this is like what manitoba 140 150 something colonial some celebration so, yeah, of colonial yeah. boundaries uh-huh. i'm sure um and so basically they're okay with cutting they're they're suggesting they want to try to cut some street lights <laughs> while yet for the building of government, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no cost and, will be spared. And what's funny, bear with me, what's funny is that this celebration 
is exactly why Pallister had cut back the elections by one year, because he did not want to take away from the beauty of these celebrations by having an election. So he did this very strategically to remain in power. It's funny the things white men do to stay in power. That is... Yes, it is indeed funny what white men will do to stay in power. On that note, uh, we will take a little break for a moment. We will resume our conversation in a moment. Good morning and welcome back to Wake the F Up on 11.5 UMFM. We air on Thursdays from 11 a.m. until noon. We're a local feminist radio show that strives to make as intersectional and anti-colonial analysis as possible. My name is Christina. I use pronouns she, her. And my name is Karan and my pronouns are he, him. Uh, so as we mentioned, there's a, there's a lot going on, certainly currently, and we felt it really important to take a moment to talk about uh, the plane that went down, uh, that was shot down by the Iranian military. Um, and specifically, we kind of wanted to take a moment to um, to name the Winnipeggers that were uh, lost in that plane and then also take a moment of silence for them. Mm-hmm. So the, there was a family of three, uh, Bahare, Mari, and Anisa. There was a PhD graduate student from U of M who was a nominee for CBC Manitoba Top 40, Mm -hmm. um, had, you know, worked on an infectious disease and had created a solution for it, which was really great. Um, Her name was Foro Karem. Um, There was a master's student in the engineering department, uh, Amir Hossein Kasemi, and a St. Amant tutor and her son, Farzane Naderi and Nujan and another student who was 21 years old uh, Amir Hossein Gorbani and we just want to take a moment of silence Uh, there were many people across Canada that lost their lives many people across many nationalities Mm -hmm. 176 passengers lost in the in that flight so we'll just take that moment of silence So last uh, Saturday, uh, there was actually a rally in Winnipeg, um, uh, kind of an anti-war rally, basically, like no war on Iran. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to make it out there. It was Mm -hmm. a really fantastic rally. Uh, It was like minus 20, but standing there, it felt like minus 40. Um, Lots of uh, Winnipeggers came together uh, to send a very clear message that we don't want war on Iran. We don't want war on Iraq. And actually... um, there was a lot of really good speakers. Um, there was lots of people present at this rally. Uh, there was uh, Migrante, the Venezuela Peace Committee, a local group called Winnipeg Col- Police Cause Harm. Uh, there were members of the Iranian community there. One of them uh, did some speaking as well. Um, and essentially, uh, the whole rally was about taking a stance against uh, oc- like wars of occupation. Mm-hmm. So we took a lot of time to talk about wars of occupation. We talked about what's going on in Wet'suwet'en. We talked about how that's not okay. You know, mm-hmm. the indigenous community uh, 
in the the west of Canada who, mm-hmm. who still has RCMP on their land just because they're trying so hard to build a pipeline through their territory without their permission. Yeah, you know that's a war of occupation and the continuing war of occupation against Indigenous people across Turtle Island. Um, and now, you know, the war of occupation in the Middle East that has been going on for a long time. And it's it's about oil. So we had lots of, uh, we were chanting all sorts of things. No more blood oil, no war in Iran, mm-hmm. no war in Iraq. Um, so that was a really great, uh, mm-hmm. great rally. Um, and that kind of reminds me, did you read the report that said that the RCMP were ready to gun down any indigenous people that were at the Unisotan camps? Uh, I did not read that, but I, I believe it. Yeah. There was a report that um, I think Global News released at first. I'm not sure, though. But yeah, they were ready to shoot anyone who was trying to protect and defend the land. Their own land. Their own homes. Imagine being in your own home and somebody just comes in with a gun and says, if you protect your own home right now, we're, we're going to kill you. And that's exactly what's happening to Indigenous people every single day. Um, and I apologize for that. I don't mean to be re-traumatizing. Um, but that is, you know, that's what's going on in Wet'suwet'en. And we have to be honest. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, what else is going on? Uh, you know, in the in terms of Iran. Um, so the story there, uh, the, the, drone sti- uh, the drone strike that took down one of the, the major like generals in uh, the Iran military was uh, uh, he was assassinated by the U.S. Uh, on January 3rd. Um, and uh, on January 9th, the U.S. House of Representatives actually approved a, man- a measure to limit Trump's war power mm-hmm. in response to him sending off that drone, basically. Yeah. And so thank I don't you, know. Democrats. But I don't know how much that's going to stand. Like, I yeah. have to we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the whole impeachment thing. And I know people have heard enough about it. Mm-hmm. But the way people were getting excited when he was impeached, he's not out of office. No. And likely he won't be because it has to pass through Senate and Senate is all Republican. Exactly. And that's kind of the same scenario with uh, with his war power being removed. Like it's not binding. But for now, he is limited in what he can do. So, you know, thank goodness for that. Um, We'll see how populism finds a way, though, you know, we will see. Um, You know, that's kind of all we have to talk about today. Um, Again, just a shout out for mental health. Uh, Blue Monday coming up, whether that's a real thing or not, you know, uh, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and we'll get through this, uh, you know, this cold spell together. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Cran. Thanks, Christina. You see people walking, talking, see them suits and ties. They say time is money, but I say that's a lie. Money is time, like it's time for me to shine To make another dime for another day Said I couldn't have found another way I make sure when they say is that behind me I make sure they can see my gorgeous honey They can taste my dust, not having faith must suck But I have it in myself, confidence got over 12 Rockin' as you can tell, been through hell, nowadays I'm rockin' and wail. Started at a young age being told, I can't make the stage, odds against me. Tryna upend me, you can't stop me, stop pretending like you can. No, you can't, I'm a queen, you're a fiend, I hold the crown, can't knock me down, not in this crowd. No, no, not right now. 
I got a chance cause I'm willing Got a chance to make a killing Got a chance to make a name Name in this game I, I, I got no choice If I wanna do what I love I got to play Gonna raise my voice Tacusurunga, <laughs> I got no choice If I wanna do what I love I got to play Gonna raise my voice I love my culture, I love my food, I love the way we 
show gratitude. The fearless hunter on the ice, taking aim so precise. The only way to get food tonight. Why do we always have to fight for the right to hunt, for the right to sell? Since the 80s when the prices fell, activists getting all the pay. So listen to me when I say the silken ban is just a scam. That's what I want you to understand. We're looking for a seal for our family's meal so we can stay warm. We can't afford the food at the store. What are we supposed to do? We're looking for a seal. Please leave us alone. Leave us alone. Oh, 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 oh,
ubaguni vatakera swakida sumu tema runa yuri madawo nirwala kuti menani wo agaluti nirwaluti sana
just love yourself I can tell you're not well and I pray and hope you will try to forgive yourself forgive yourself get out of that Give yourself, even if you fail, get out of that hell and forgive yourself today. Kelly Fraser lived from August 8th, 1993 to December 4th, 2019. May she rest in power. <laughs> 